This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. This is Histories of the Unexpected. He's the famous historical adventurer, Dr. Sam Willis. And he is Professor Extraordinaire of Early Modern British History at Plymouth University. He is Professor James Daybell. And we are your hosts for Histories of the Unexpected. Each week we discuss a surprising object oozing with unexpected historical significance. And this week it's bubbles. Which for me is all about the history of childhood and innocence, as well as fate and fortune. And for me, it's all about champagne, it's about bottle strength, it's about taming the bubble. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes, subscribe to the podcast and tell all of your friends. We're on Twitter, you can follow me at Dr Sam Willis. And you can follow me at James Daybell. We're proud to be part of the excellent History Hit Network, home of Dan Snow's History Hit and other great shows coming soon. And you can find out more about what we've got planned in the forthcoming months. Show notes, video clips, photos of everything we discuss and much, much more at historyhit.com forward slash unexpected. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode seven of Histories of the Unexpected, where we will be audio googling through history, exploring the history of things that you didn't even know had a significant story to tell, like the history of the cheese, the chair, or even the letter. And we'll be following the links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how everything, literally everything, has a history, and crucially, how those histories link in unexpected ways. Who knew, for example, Sam, that the history of lightning was to do with US independence, Mm. the US revolution? And windows, of all things, are to do with territorial expansion and, of course, vandalism. The man sitting opposite me is an inspector of eons. It's Professor James Daybell. 
Hello, and the man sitting opposite me is the maitre d' of the museum. It's Dr. <laughs> Sam Willis. <laughs> Together, we will be piloting you on this uncharted and frankly highly dangerous flight into the past. Each week, one of us will take the lead, and this week it is my turn. I'm very excited about this one. Daybell, are you ready? Okay, Willis. What have you got for me this week? I've got for you the bubble. <laughs> the bubble. The history of Brilliant. the bubble. <laughs> Brilliant. The history of the bubble. Okay. So. What do I think of when I think of bubbles? This is about the history of disappointment. What? This is about, <laughs> this is about raised expectations. This is about lost love. This oh, is about burst the, the burst bubble. Oh. The burst bubble. But also, it is about the history of childhood. So it is about it playing is about with blowing bubbles. bubbles. It's about playing bubbles. It's about bubble pipes. It's about... Oh, nice. Um, but it's also the history of the economy. It's the history of speculation. It's the history of the stock market. Mm. It is the the bubble. As a metaphor. As a metaphor. Yeah, and the, suppose that you've got the the science of the bubble as well, to have it to be you know yep. turned into a toy, to actually yep. have, have people being able to blow bubbles. Linked, linked to soap. Yeah. I mean, what do you think of when you think about the bubble? We have this sort of... When you think about blowing a bubble, my, my daughters blow bubbles all the time. They yep. pester me to buy them bubble mixture all the time. Have you had to go on one of those massive giant ones with something that's basically the size of a tennis racket? I, have, I haven't. Have you seen but them? No. Oh, they're amazing. You, you get them a lot at festivals and people walk around. So they're not, they're not just like normal bubbles. They're like monster bubbles. So it's a bubble that would literally enclose you? Yes. Yes. My, my, my daughters have a, have a contraption that has a rocket in it and the rocket has little sort of bubble rings on the bottom of it and you stamp on a on on a on an airbag and shoot this rocket up into the air and it sends bubbles all over the garden. But when we think about the bubble, you know what you've got there is something that is that is sort of ethereal. It's beautiful. It's translucent, but it's also fragile. Yeah, it's something that is that is fleeting and it's perfect and as well. It's perfect they are literally for for a moment. Yes, and you can see how and why people became obsessed with them certainly when you yeah. have those bubble machines in gardens and you see you're, you're 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 kind of you're decorating your garden which is which is you know built of nature and it's from nature but with with something which is a, a natural phenomenon it must yeah. be one of the yeah. most perfect and beautiful objects yeah. in nature because yeah. because because of it's 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 you know what's what it looks like and the lightness of it so where are you going with bubbles right okay here we are now, I am here? going here, right, look at this, this is one of my, uh, my favourite themes in history, and of course it's to do with drinking. Drinking. <laughs> What's that? That looks like a, let me get a little closer, it is a drinking vessel, it looks like it is made out of glass, uh, we have a tall, uh, what looks like a highball glass, and it looks like it's engraved, is that, is that glass? I can't quite tell from the picture. Yes, it is glass. Um, okay. And it's something known as the Chesterfield flute. Um, it's uh, it's in the Museum of London. So very distinctive. It, it's it's like a champagne flute. Right. Okay. Um, mid seventeenth century. Hmm. Um, heavily engraved. Very fragile. It's a thing of of beauty. It's a thing of fragility. Very high class, and it is designed like a champagne flute it is it is for a drink which has got bubbles in it brilliant, brilliant. so what we're going here what fascinated me is is harnessing the bubble 
It's actually being able to take control of the bubble ah. and, and how that became, became you know, an actual, absolute obsession from the mid-17th century onwards. So what drink were they drinking out of that? Uh, I would say champagne. No. 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 Okay. Cider. Cider. Sparkling cider. Sparkling cider. So there we go. The uh, brings us to the very important question of who invented champagne. And it wasn't the French. It wasn't the French? No, it was the English. Our cider farmers invented uh, the champagne method. There right. are various ways of making a drink fizzy. But this uh, solution in the mid-17th century was um, discovered by English cider makers, which I'm quite proud of. I think that's pretty good. So um, this whole issue itself is linked with really massive themes that you, would, you wouldn't necessarily suspect. So cider becomes a very important drink in the mid-17th century for two reasons. The first is because the English had experienced something called the mini ice age and all of our vines died but the apple trees were fine so we couldn't use grapes but we also couldn't import wine from the continent which is where we normally get our wine from because we were at war with the French and the Spanish and the Dutch. This all goes wrong in the 1651 with Cromwell's Navigation Act which refuses us which means we cannot trade by seas particularly with the Dutch. So we have to come up with a nice drink that was both sophisticated, that the upper classes could drink, instead of wine. And they turned to cider. Um, and it was led by um, uh, a, a couple of, of uh, very high-ranking um, British noblemen who had the land to grow, grow cider. Now, they discovered that if you allowed the drink to ferment in the bottle, it would turn bubbly and that they could speed that up by adding sugar to the drink. So to make something really fizzy, you have to have sugar. Where am I going with that? Which means you have to have somewhere... Alcohol. You have to, well, you've got to have somewhere, no, you've got to have somewhere you can, you can grow sugar. Right. So before sugar, you've got to have fizzy drinks because it's not going to make it fizzy enough. But you also have to have something, this is the most important thing, you have to have a bottle that can contain the bubbles. So not only are you, have you got to control the bubbles, You've got to stop them taking over the world and exploding. And that is all to do with the very important question of the history of glass manufacture. <laughs> right, bear with me. I'm going okay, to get okay. to my point in a minute. So, um, the British are, or the English are inspired to develop these drinks because they can't get the wines from the continent. But then they find out that they can. And this is all to do with the history of heat. <laughs> so, to make very strong glass, you have to be able to operate at very, very high temperatures. In the, on the continent, they burnt charcoal, okay? In England, they stopped burning charcoal in the mid-17th century because they're destroying all of the English woodland, which they used to make ships. So I come back to ships again. The king refuses to let people burn wood, so they have to find something else for manufacturing purpose, which burns at a high heat, so they start making fire with coal. Coal allows you to, to burn stuff at a higher temperature, which means you can make thicker glass, which means, Professor Daybell, you can make a bottle that can contain the pressure of a fizzy drink without it exploding. This is like the early history of Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah, it is, basically. So, so we, we were the first country to 
develop a method to make drinks fizzy and then to do the most magical thing of all and that was kind of to contain the power of the bubble in glass bottles and corks which I haven't even come to yet but you have to be able to have a strong enough bottle which won't shatter and you have to be able to seal it properly mm. otherwise it'll explode brilliant boom there you go. brilliant how do you go from the bubble to the bottle <laughs> in, in five minutes let me take the bubble in a different way let me take the bubble in the direction of childhood and childhood play and when we see the the emergence of a culture of, of, of childhood and if you look through you know um, if you look through uh, art gallery catalogues of paintings you will come across quite a few fairly early representations of children Blowing bubbles. What do you mean by early? Early, sort of se seven, I, the, one of the earliest I've got is 17th century, but our listeners may have earlier items for us. Let me th show you this one, this one here. Casper Nectar, a boy blowing soap bubbles in 16... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 79. There he is. Yeah. Um, it, and then there are various sort of various sort of examples. Let's just have a look at it. Describe this one. That's not actually a particularly good uh, image of it. Um, what do you see there? So we've got a little boy. Um, he's very well attired, isn't he? He's got kind of long, well-kept hair. He looks wealthy. He looks very pleased with himself. And he is displaying very carefully um, a little tray. Is it a tray? It's always, it like a, it's like, a, like a little dish. It looks like a tiny little dish that is full of soap, and there's a little bubble. He's a little bubble, it. and he is uh, pointing as well up into the corner, isn't he? What's he pointing at there? I think there's a there's a figure, uh, a, a nude figure, behind him. But you can see what he's holding in his hand is a tiny little hoop, yeah. very very a tiny little wire with a hoop, which is so easy to. So easy to, to make, and this would be one of the simplest yeah. uh, toys that, somebody, that, that children could have had. What did, did the age of this painting surprise you when you came across it? It or did. Were you... It did. I, I, I imagined, you know, when I thought about the history of, of bubbles, the history of toys, I imagined this would be a relatively modern phenomenon. Early 20th early, century. Early 20th century, and I didn't see it. I didn't see it sort of. I didn't think about it as a as an early modern uh, phenomenon. Partly because I hadn't. I hadn't. I hadn't researched it. If you think about the kinds of games that people would have, the children would have used. You think about the those sort of traditional games, the hoops. You know, maybe skipping ropes, things like that. Um, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought. I wouldn't have thought that this was. Um, were, I, I wouldn't have thought that this was, uh, was, was something that would have been quite as early as that, or that we would have captured it. And that's the, that's the thing. It's how, does, how does one capture the history of early childhood, the history of early play? Have you ever been to the Victoria and Albert Museum of Childhood in Bethnal Green? No. It is the most phenomenal museum. 
um, wonderful um, open space. And basically, I mean, it, its strongest collections that are on display are basically fairly modern, 20th century. So if you want to hit, if you want to see the history of the Barbie or the history of the doll's house, that kind of thing, they have amazing examples. This is where you would go to find out about the history of bubble blowing. Okay. But I mean, the more you think about it, it does make sense that they were doing it in the early modern period because soap has been around yes. for absolutely ages. Yes. And, and the yes. way you do that is you... It's one of those horrible manufacturing processes. So you take all of the really unpleasant bits of a dead pig yep. and then you boil it up yep. and you mix it with ash, I think. And, um, and, and it, it's, it's horrific, it's stinky, it's ghastly. And, but out of this filth and horror, you, you make something that makes you clean. And that's, yeah. And from the soap, you make something that is beautiful, that is, is there to be played with, is there to be looked at, floats up into, yeah. into the sky. And see, there are two parts of that manufacturing process. Um, one is you make soap, and the other is you make tallow for candles, or tallow for soap, or tallow for candles. So not only do you get clean out of this horrible process, but you get light. You get light. As well. Yes, and tallow also wax, and we can link that to letters the sealing of letters and the history of privacy, yeah. the history of communication. But I, as, I was, as I was doing a little bit of, of sort of um, reading around this, this topic for work that I've done on childhood, I came across a, uh, an extract in, would you believe, the American Boys Handbook, right. uh, published in 1882 by an author called D.C. Beard. That's interesting. In, That's 20 years earlier than I... I right. assume as well. Right. And in it, it has a chapter called Novelties in Soap Bubbles. Every boy his own bubble pipe. And I'll just read you a little extract of this. A soap bubble is an uncouth, inelegant name for such an ethereal, mm. fairy sphere. It is such a common everyday sight to us that, who, that we seldom give it much attention or realise how wonderful and beautiful is this fragile, transparent, liquid, gold, liquid globe. Its spherical form is typical of perfection and the ever-changing prismatic colours of its iridescent surface charm the eye. They are waxing lyrical about it here. It is like a beautiful dream. We are enchanced, entranced while it lasts, but in an instant it vanishes and leaves nothing to mark its former existence except the memory of its loveliness. And did you imagine it? Was it there? <laughs> <laughs> the memory of its loveliness. That's, that's brilliant. Exactly. Isn't it? And this links very nicely with the idea of the bubble as metaphor and the bubble, the bubble bursting. And I'll bring you to a slightly earlier painting, which, if you have a look at this here, this is a painting uh, titled The Allegory of Fortune, which dates circa 1530 by the Italian artist Dosso Dossi. And it's an image uh, that you can see in the Getty in California. And what we have here is two figures. This one here is, is Fortune or, or, or Lady Luck. And oh, she's sitting on a bubble. She's sitting. I, she's I, sitting I, I was trying to work out where the bubble was. She's sitting on a. She's sitting on a bubble. So it's this idea about fortune and chance that one minute everything will be all right, and as the wheel of fortune you turns, literally fall on you your ass. You literally <laughs> fall on. You literally fall on your ass, and 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 fortune has has dumped you on the ground. Yeah, um, that's wonderful. I mean, it, 
it's it's what that's like a that's like a sort of slightly hidden bubble. You don't notice it at first no, because it's no. it's translucent. You can actually see her leg the other side of it. Yeah. So it's it's between her legs. You've got her left uh, ankle this side of it. Then a large bubble, like a kind of what size is that? It's like a large bowling ball or something. Um, and then you can see through it to her right leg. So it's almost only only when you know to look for it is it there. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely incredible when I first when I first saw this. Uh, courtesy of a friend of mine, Ari Burke, uh, who grew up in LA uh, and, and told me about this reference, but absolutely remarkable. Which links, one of the things we haven't talked about, is the bubble and high finance. No, okay. What do you think about, 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 about the bubble? Um, tulips. Tulips. Tulip, tulip mania. Tulip mania. Tulip mania and the, Dot South, com mania. the South Sea bubble, the idea that speculation goes wild. Your people pour money into a sort of into what is essentially something that is very fragile. It bursts, and the financial situation comes crashing to the ground. So the tulip bubble—that was the Dutch—and um, they become obsessed with creating new colours and new uh, different types of flowers. And by the end of it, people are paying staggering amounts yep. of money for bulbs, or, or even yep. the promise of bulbs. Yep. And we're talking here. We're talking here 1630s, that, mm. that sort of period. But also the South Sea Bubble, which is probably even more more famous, the sort of 1720s, um, where we have the, the governor and company of the merchants of Britain trading to the South Seas and other parts of, of, of America. Um, the rampant speculation, people investing, you know, fortunes in this, and then the bubble bursts. So we move then from your... Um, brewed um, apple cider <laughs> and, and, and glass through the history of childhood, um, through the metaphorical representation of fortune sitting on a bubble, um, ending up on her ass, uh, through now to um, dot-com bubbles. Dot-com bubbles. And I've got one more for you okay, before go we on. go. And that is, you see, as soon as they started to... Um, capture the bubble, control the bubble in bottles. It didn't take long for all the quacks to get round and go, I'm sure this will help you. <laughs> this will make you better. So here we go. Um, this is from an early 18th century tract. Um, here we go. Talking about the bubble. This is, this is from a man who started making carbonated water for okay. the first time. So it's not alcohol. It's not trying to sell fizzy alcohol. It's, it's, it's the normal drink of the masses and he's made it fizzy. He's made it somehow magical. And then he works out that it might possibly be of use in the case of ulcerated lungs. Ooh. If persons in that most deplorable situation would breathe as much as they found they could do of it by holding their heads over vessels containing fermented mixtures, especially if at the same time they should drink water or other liquors impregnated with the same principle. The principle being um, a captured air, essentially. But then they go on, he thinks it's a cure for cancer. 18th century. Cancers have been much sweetened by the application of fixed air, which is what he called it. And um, the same person and labouring under an ulcerous sore throat. And it goes on and on and on. And suddenly, the capture of the bubble, because it's magical, because everyone will be amazed by it, and it has to be, it has to somehow help humanity. And... Um, this guy tries to sell it to the Navy because he knows they have problems with keeping water fresh on ships, going on long voyages yeah. around the world. And, um, and it is received very well. It is received very well. Um, and that's from, a, from an institution who are notoriously sceptical about 
these amazing curals. So it's the bubble as a marketing device. Yes. Which, of course, links very nicely to Millet's painting of a child blowing bubbles, which was used by Pears Soap in the 19th century. Right. To advertise There we go. Soap, which we have here. A small child uh, sitting on what looks like a little, a little trunk um, with a bowl full of bubbles. Looking wistfully up into the air, contemplating life as a child. Being, being clean. So we're back, we're back full circle to bubbles and childhood. I think it's time for us to go and drink some fizzy water, to go out <laughs> into the garden and blow some bubbles. Let's go and do that. Okay. Thank you all very much for listening. Don't forget, you are the most important member of this podcast, so please do get in touch with us. If you have any bubble-related history you can share with us, or if you have any other ideas for podcasts which we can tackle in the future. But that's it for now. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.